Welcome to Exploring Creativity. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and provide a community for creative people all over the world. On this podcast, we explore a variety of topics with a multifaceted group of creative people. We explore these topics in hopes of broadening your perspective and giving you the tools you need to do your very best work. Today, I'm speaking with Brian Parker. Brian is a writer, singer, and songwriter. Together, we explored value, how the creative process is like flying and landing a plane, hustle culture, and so much more. It was a great conversation with a great friend, and I'm super excited for you to hear it. What's up, dude? Yo. All right, we got Lane. I've been a you. We got Lane in here, so basically that means we could start. Oh, we've got a, we've got a, it's a party now. It's a party now. It's an intervention. It's a Lane intervention. No. Live. I, I, I actually like normally need a late intervention. Uh, you know, whenever I'm having a day, I just, I call him and just let her be in whatever I'm dealing with. Um, what was the last late intervention you had? If you could publicly, what's the, what's the most recent late intervention that you could publicly speak about? Late, late and I, late, late helps take my ideas you know we we very much have the artist producer relationship i usually rant for about you know 40 minutes and i think he just kind of listens and parses whatever the fuck i'm saying and then comes up with an idea related related to that that's probably more workable than whatever i'm thinking about <laughs> yeah you know, i think the last thing we we're talking about it was like um i mean i don't want anyone to steal this idea but i don't think they're going to do it anyway uh, we're, we're talking about like the climate i was on a tangent about climate change and we're saying like what if we like what if i made a a, a, a track like completely completely like human powered like i grew i grew the food that i eat and i like i rode a bike to power the mac and like whatever but like totally like self-sufficient yeah. self-sustained like track and really it wouldn't be that hard I mean, I think the thing I would, I might like try to get the food from a community garden versus growing it myself because there's so many variables. It might take a while. It would just take a while. Yeah. For, for, for video's sake, it would be, it would be very difficult, but, um, you know, that was an idea that like he came up with based on my, uh, my anxiety about climate and also obviously my interest in to make a record. So <laughs> that's Lane, that was a bit. That was the most recent late intervent. And what was his, what was his response? That was his idea. That was, oh, okay. My, I was just, I was just talking about like, 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 um, like the fact that artists, the idea that climate change is not this mainstream, it's a mainstream topic on some level, but it isn't like really expressed through art in the way that other universal concepts have been in the past. And it's something that is kind of glossed over despite it being so ubiquitous. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's pushed into a category that's kind of like unrelated to all the other human conditions, uh, despite it being like a very intense human condition, even if it's not about like current climate change, but just about our relationship to the environment. Right. You know, like the, you know like, like there's like the, um, like the three like conflicts in like literature, like man versus man man versus self and man versus nature and the man versus nature sort of allegorically you see it less you know mm -hmm. like maybe like 
Yeah, like Noah's Ark or something, you know, like you have these epic odyssey kind of things, but typically you have man versus self and man versus sort of the antagonist. But I'm really interested in that, that conflict between man and nature because it's so much bigger and it can't necessarily be related to like dealing with internal conflict. It's like, it's so external that it's like really difficult to, to substantiate, you know? Um, but anyway, that that's kind of that's kind of the sort of tangent that uh that uh, I think I think uh you know late that's, helps, late that's the sort of shit you guys get into is what you're trying to say <laughs> yeah um shout out to uh to Greg and Lane for uh complimenting yeah, our book um dude I love that point I was actually as you were speaking I was listening and trying to find the study that is directly related to this. So I, I subscribe to, um, oh, damn, I'm jealous. See you guys going off in the chat. Um, there's a journal called the psychology of aesthetics, creativity, and the arts. It's the only journal I've found with like a lot of papers about those topics. And, um, so I subscribe to it and there is a recent article about cultural change and, um, art and where, what forms of art have uh, more of an effect on cultural change than others? I'll try to, I'll find the PDF and I'll send it to you. Yeah, please uh, do. I mean, I, I mean, I think that my, um, my interest was inspired by, cause I'm reading this book now. It's backwards. The great derangement. Derangement. Um, you would think that I, Instagram would flip the camera the way that yeah. Apple does it, but they don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, reading that, reading like, Naomi Klein, which is always kind of depressing, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, I would like to, I'd like to, I'd like to hear, I'd like to read what, what, what you're talking about, because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a topic that I think is going to be more and more relevant to like cultural criticism in general, you know? Definitely. And I think like <clears throat> with everything, by the way, it's pouring rain out here and I love it. I was like walking outside in the rain, speaking of nature. It's not like never rain there. Right. I mean, it rarely rains, and when it does, like it reminds me of the East Coast, and the smell of it today was like the yeah. East Coast, and I was just like, I'm staying out here getting soaked. Like I love this. Um, it does clear out the smog a little bit. Yeah, it'll it'll tamper it a little bit, um, and it's definitely great for the uh, the hikes. You know, it's greener, less risk of ri uh, fire. You know, that kind of thing. But um. Just on that topic, like what I liked about the study is they're measuring the effectiveness of these things. So like, I think they had four different quadrants in terms of levels of effectiveness. And, uh, I still haven't read through the whole thing. It's a really, I mean, all these articles are super dense and they use all the like, you know, jargon study. Yeah, exactly. All the jargon, like real deep jargon N equals this kind of shit. Yeah. I'm just like, all right, I had to like, look up how to read it actually like real, real talk. Like I looked up how to read studies before I actually was able to read the studies because right. we'll get into this about language and sort of how that whole thing works, but it's its own sort of coke. It's its own yeah. real altogether. Yeah. That's very, that's very responsible of you. I think also, I think also people think that like reading, like reading a scientific journal means that you're reading something without bias. Right. Is that right. another, another problem? Because even, even for, you know, like I'm a, I'm a pretty firm believer in science, like, but I also like have to be honest about what its limitations are when it comes to the way that 
you know, how these things are funded and how the research is, you know, actually enacted and all this stuff, you know, but I'd have to say though, that, you know, just based on the evidence that all of these things put together, like you can generally pretty get a pretty good idea of what's going on. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, having run research myself, like I'm very aware of how easy bias is able to slip into a study. Well, uh, you know, one person out of two said something becomes 50% of people said something, uh, it, it, that can happen. And again, this is words and, and just for context, uh, for people joining, Brian and I worked together on, um, a few projects and definitely more in the future, but, uh, specifically with PMC speakers, we work together. Brian is a copywriter and helps me, uh, with strategy on their content. So we work together in a writing art and copy capacity, uh, to use classical terms. Um, I, there's a question already. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I want to dive into some of those things later at some point about, about content, not about PMC per se, um, but about how we work and content and words and all, all the things that are sort of technical, but interesting. And then like you said yesterday, we kind of can just riff on the state of things, uh, yeah. and uh, all different contexts. So, um, I'm excited to do that and just sort of introduce people that follow me to you and introduce, uh, myself to people that, you know, follow you. What is that? Yeah. 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 When, what is talking about here? Let me just look at, let me just look at this chat real quick. 25% of people in this chat love the Philly fanatic. I don't even know what that is. With the Brian Cleaver and Christina and Greg, I see you, Greg. And who else is in here? I don't know all these people, but yeah, we got people. Uh, <laughs> Aaron. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, really, the intention of the talks are to introduce my friends and and collaborators with people that I know in case they're looking for people that do this kind of work or just want to know what the hell I do all day, uh, besides like making logos or making a website or something very generic that they know about, um, about design. So, um, yeah, I also wanted to, uh, thank you for joining. Um, there's a lot. Yeah, Brian, Brian just looks super deep in thought. Um, yeah, I think this is just the internet being the internet. Um, but I was thinking about, uh, yesterday I joined a friend's birthday Instagram live and was like, what's a word that stands out to me for them. Uh, and I was thinking about the same for you. Um, and I, I felt like one of the words that really stands out for me is, uh, this word compliment and not not like complimenting someone, but being a compliment to uh, a creative process. I think like having worked together so far, um, I think it was funny what you were talking about with Lane where like you're shooting out all these ideas and he's producing. I feel like with us, sometimes it's the reverse where I'm like, I'm like, did you, did you write that down? Or like, can we, can we put this somewhere or whatever? Um, and you have this ease of interacting uh, you know, right, right. Uh, and an ability that kind of handle whatever is thrown your way. Obviously, like there's work involved to do that and, and to, you know, 
uh, structure it and all of that. But you have this great ability to um, to complement um, my skill sets and my interests. And I, you know, do my best to do the same. But I think, you know, that's a real talent of yours that I wanted to, to acknowledge um, as we get into things. And I just, I've been trying to compliment everyone. Uh, the other word, the other use of the word compliment uh, regularly, let people know their strengths and, and sort of introduce them to maybe strengths about themselves they didn't realize. So that's definitely something um, that stands out in terms of how we work and what you bring to the table. In terms of being a complement to the creative process, like you've been able to to insert yourself into the PMC work really seamlessly and then just like ramp up so quickly. And all of that comes from your ability to do a lot of different things that results in in uh, feeling like an excellent collaborator and uh, compliments to the creative process. So I just wanted to give you that compliment and thank you for being so good at that. Um, I am curious uh, when you're joining a team or starting a project, like what are you looking for? You know, like where is your antenna kind of looking for? Uh, what is it looking for? That's a good question. Who is it looking for? It's, yeah, I mean, I think I think lately um, for my own project, you know, like um, I've been more and more interested in, in just opening up my process to collaboration anyway. Just even even amongst like the people that are receiving the project, like the audience, if you will, uh, um, because I think that that process is also collaborative. So I think I think just like um, and a willingness to to challenge the things that I'm bringing to the table where um, I think typically, you know, I think the difference in the way that we're working on, like, you know, the sort of stuff is that like, we kind of have this, we have this kind of concept that we're trying to trying to mold into something, you know, that that's tangible, at least on the length, whereas like, I guess music, um, it's like I'm bringing all these ideas like I was telling you about Lane. I'm bringing like all these ideas and I have all these demos and clips and bits and stuff. And it's like the other way around. Or maybe it's actually quite similar way. It's like trying to hone it down to the core essence of what it is. And so I think like, um, I don't know if my work process project versus uh, kind of kind of guiding the project. Um, but regardless, I think it is about filling the voids um, and recognize, you, know, you have to recognize own those spaces in which like, you know, you could be supported by someone else that has, has an expertise in something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that kind of what I think, and I, I think I just, it's like kind of in this, we, we talked about this as well as like as they can do everything now, you know, it's like, I can, mm. I can write, I can, you know, I do it all myself, like draft my own dances. I, I shoot my own videos. I direct. And it's just like, why do you want right. to do all that? Like, I don't yeah. want to do everything anymore. <laughs> like I did that. I did the long time where it's like, I'm writing it. I'm producing it. I'm recording. Like I'm making the beats. I'm DJing it, you know? Yeah, that's cool. But like someone can do all that stuff better than me. And then I can focus on the one thing that I'm doing any given project, you know? So yeah. if it's like, Hey, I'm just, I'm just writing the text on this, then that you can do the design, you know, and someone else can do something, you know? So I think it's just about understanding, like you were saying, like understanding who's, um, but also who, who's receptive to your vision and like, 
that you do, you know, like who has the same energy and same, or like maybe not the same energy, but like at least understands your energy and understands mm. your vision and can like understand references to, to a point where they could help you. Re- um, mm. That's not like a particular type of person, right? It could be anybody as long as their role in that process is, is, uh, you know, so. Right. I guess that's um, the answer. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love this idea. There's a few things that come to mind. Like, first of all, in terms of finding collaborators, like sometimes there's there's a benefit to people that don't have the same energy. Like there's people that uh, have a completely different energy from you, um, but understand where you're coming from or allow that to be inserted into the creative process or know, might have a vantage point of like, I know how to integrate this energy with your process, in which case you can create something totally different um, that you may have not been able to do with someone who had the exact same energy as you. Um, so I think that's a concept that is worth kind of thinking about. Um, you know, finding people with different energy is also a benefit. Like finding people with the same energy is cool because it's kind of seamless, right? It's like, all right, we're just rolling like this dude gets me. We both like the same bands or artists or whatever. We like both produce the same way. We use the same apps, like everything's same. And like, there is a comfort there and there's an ease and a flow. And then there's like the opposite end of that, which is like, we are so different. And like, um, we use all different apps like to produce. We, uh, use different instruments. We are inspired by different things. And it's like, then it's an opportunity of like integration. Um, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, if someone or both of you on the team are able to step outside yourselves and be like, all right, what are the parts we're working with? Then it just becomes another level of production. It's like, how do you, uh, produce, uh, your process kind of, or your working process and, and how you communicate. It's definitely like, seems like more uh, like a higher, um, upfront cost. But potentially it like leads to more interesting collaborations um, that don't feel so homogenous. Like um, not saying that working with people that you flow with would sound homogenous, but there's more of a risk there. Uh, so I don't know. I could see it going either way. Um, and having experienced both, I feel like there's benefits to both as well. And, and obviously downsides to it. Um, I've been thinking about this idea of like process and processing I mentioned this on the call the other day, like there's like the process that you create and then there's like actually how you process things uh, throughout the process. Um, I don't even know, uh, I see you nodding. So I wonder if you could riff on it a little bit, how you think about that, how you think about those words um, any bit. Yeah, yeah, my immediate, my immediate response is that like, like process, like process is like doing and processing is reflecting Ooh. that. And that's what it sounds like to me, at least. I don't know. And I think, you know, process is like something that's, when you think about like, a, like, like, a, like, like a computer, you know, like you have a, like there's certain processes that happen and you can like, de- it's discrete, you know, you can define them. You can see each stage in the process where with processing, it's kind of like there's this mysterious thing happening in the background and you don't know what's, you don't know what it's going to churn out every time, mm. but you know, like it, the, the update, the update is processing. You're like, oh shit, what's the new, what's the new software going to look like? You know? And I think that like, you know, that 
that's kind of like people too, right? Because like, yeah, like I have my process for working on something. Um, and you know, I, I, I trust, I trust that that process, uh, if it's, if it's created something that I'm happy with, will, will continue to serve me. But there's also another side of it's like processing where it's like, when you're not actually following that guideline, mm. you know, you're just like thinking about, wait, what, what am I actually doing? Like, did this serve its purpose? Like, is my, is that, is that seed of an idea actually being grown? Is it being watered? And you have to reflect on stuff. You know, you can't just constantly do the same thing over and over again. If you're trying to create something new, you know, mm. uh, or, or if you're, or if you're faced with the task you haven't before, like your old process is not going to work every single time. And that sounds like really obvious, mm -hmm. but I think that we do get into habits where like, you know, if I'm in the studio, like I might always reach for the same instrument. Like I hear a part and I'm like, oh yeah, this would sound good there. And like, sometimes it is that like, we know playing musicians who like have records that for like 30 years have sounded more or less similar and keep working or yeah, the right who write books that like kind of have the same language and the same character development and filmmakers who, you know, rely on the same tools, but you know, they have to, they have to think about the ways that they're addressing new themes and how their process can serve that theme. And that is, you know, mm -hmm. so I think that there's, there's a balance between the two things. Um, you know, it's, it's the noun and it's the verb, you know, here's like the, here's like the structure. But here's what's going to be required to mm. actually make that structure work for you. Mm. Um, sounds like I know what I'm talking about, but I don't. I mean, you, you said noun and verb. I mean, that's probably more advanced than 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 a lot of us on the thread uh, might. Know. <laughs> so that's you've already helped so many people with this now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love. I um, you're kind of touching on an idea that I think about with process as well. I'm kind of like putting together maybe like a small book or presentation or something about process. So I, I've like, been kind of like thick. Yeah, <laughs> a small one, like, um, and I just like hearing what people have to say about it. Cause I started with this idea that there's an aversion to process for creative people, like the, the word itself. And then also like feeling like you have to have one, like kind of wanting to be more divergent, which is still a process. But like the idea of like, I process might be too confining, but I've learned that everyone kind of agrees to needing or having one in some degree. Um, but there's this idea that you mentioned of like, when you process your process and realize that things need to change or like there's an improvement that could be made or some optimism. Um, and I think the more conscious you are of the process, the easier it is to kind of reflect on that. Um, but this idea of like novelty being inserted in process, like how, you know, what is the benefit pros and cons of novelty being inserted mm -hmm. into a process is something I thought about, you know, in terms of the output of a process, like does the output always need to be novel and do, do the, the inputs need to be novel and does the actual processing need to be novel? Like, and if you're updating all those all the time, every kind of pass, that's just like, chaos in a way i mean there's no like clear thing but if you're up, like updating one or two that's a little different um it could be advantageous actually um but then also like uh, um sort of making the processing novel each time 
could be like completely novel, like restart how you process things every time could be uh, risky as well. So um, again, this is sort of one of those things where I don't, I don't want to land on a black and white answer like you should or shouldn't. I just feel like yeah. it's interesting for people to think about like, you know, are you completely updating your process every time or are you like incrementally updating to move towards like every increment is a new step in a novel direction in a way. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just, and then there's, and then there's progress, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, like, but there's also the side of it's like, I, I think it's, I think I, there's, there's two thoughts that came to my mind. I think that creative people generally, and myself included, everyone has a process regardless of whether or not they want to say they do. And most of us don't want to define it because we feel like that either takes the, the magic out of what we do or, or we're giving away some secret that no one else knows. I mean, both of those things are bullshit, but you know, that is, that is something that I think, especially when you're younger, you do feel like, oh, like I don't have a process. I just let it come out of me. And you're just like, yeah, but like, I guarantee that you do something that's more or less the same each time. And I don't need to know about it either. Like that's for you to know, but it's when you start hitting roadblocks in your process or in, in your, in your pursuit of something that you have to, at some point address what it is you're doing and what you're trying to get to. Yeah. Uh, and again, I mean, yeah, for, for, for a small number of outliers, like maybe they never have to reflect on that. Mm. Um, for every reason, maybe their maybe their maybe their goals don't change or maybe their output is, maybe they're happy with the way that things, mm. things created and that, and that's totally cool. But for me personally, like I'm, you know, I'll read a few books or watch a few movies and it changes the whole way I think about like what everything I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. It's like, like day and night, like two days ago, um, I watched a film like an, uh, Agnes Varda film and I was like, Oh fuck. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. You know? And then, it's obviously not true, but it so, sometimes like that's the processing part, right? Everything you do in your daily life, that's not integrated into your process as a creative, at least as a creative person, like, I guess we're talking about creative people, creative artists, like, you know, you expect, at least I expect that like your life is just reflected in the way that you approach your work. And that's what the inspiration comes from. That's where the novelty comes from. And that's, I think it's why people get stuck. They often go to a new place. Like I got to go, I got to go, you know, in a cabin for a while away from here. Yeah. I've got to go to a city because I've been in the mountains too long. You know, like, you know, that, that novelty is, is precisely what, um, allows us to be, to, to, to address the way that we work. Um, and then to, 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 to potentially even rely on the same process, just with different, different things, inspiring us, different stimulation, different, um, inputs, if you will, you know, yeah. so I love what you said there, like. Again, these, these dualities are important to look at. I think it's so easy to get into black and white thinking or like uh, YouTube-based thinking or Google-based thinking where it's like, what is the distance from the sun? Like, da 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 miles. Like, okay, cool. That's my binary answer. But like these things with creativity, especially there is no answer um, for this. There's like where you're at right now. And maybe that might, that answer might even change tomorrow or in 15 minutes after you, uh, watch a film, you know what I mean? Uh, or, or listen to the director talking about a film they made and be like, oh damn, like there's so much more to this. Um, but this idea of like too much novelty or too much rigidity can make you feel stuck in your creative process is like a really interesting thing. 
where it's like, if you're just like, we need to do newness all the time. I need to get new sources of ideas, inspiration, new ways to process things, new collaborators, new everything. It's like, when's your time to actually like commit to work? Like and commit to getting a thing done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And rigidity was like, you don't have trust in, in something either. And I think a lot of people resort to changing everything when they, when, when the trust has been eroded from the people around them or mm. systems around them or from the, from the machines they're using, from the styles they're using. And like a clean start is cool too. Like, you know, mm. I'm sure both of us have done that a, n- a number of times, but, um, at a certain point you do, you are, you're, you're looking out for the, you know, you kind of want to protect the process versus, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to adapt it to do what you need it to do. And, and for me, you know, like I think about the thing about writing, for example, if we want to take it kind of more in the, in the copy direction, like if I'm getting bored with what I'm doing, then I'm, I'm, I have to look, I look back and I read everything that I've written. And it's like, yeah, like I, I'm using the same words. I'm using the same uh, sentence structures, you know, I'm reading the same types of books constantly. I'm reading the same types of articles constantly. And now I'm not inspired to create more stuff because I've, I've, I figured this thing out. Like I know how to do this one thing. Um, that's in my toolbox now. Sure. When I approach it in the future, I'm always going to know how to do that. But if you want to start changing it or you, your approach with the task that requires that you do that, that the result is different from what normally, you know, asked to do or, or want to do then something is going to have to shift you know and and some but maybe something has to stay rigid and i think you're right i think i think a lot of the creative process is balancing that rigidity versus the flexibility and learning like learning where these things can can change and like i think you have to be very conscious of that um as you're working you know if you're running into problems with your process you know so I think, I think, I think perhaps like there's, you know, in, in the sort of modern time with creation, like we, we focus a lot on process, you know, it's, it's, it's all this stuff about workflow and apps and like how to make everything more productive and process oriented. I think that's really cool, but I don't think there's a lot of, there's not a lot of talk about processing and like, Hey, just like give yourself a day to like literally think about everything. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, Torbjorn, he's a great designer. Uh, I don't know if he's on here right now, but he's in Denmark. And he was like, sometimes like your day off, you are working. He's like, you don't realize it, but like you are thinking about all the stuff you've been working on. And like, you need that time to process the verdict, you know? Yeah. I talked about that and like, I actually have been taking, you know, more off days where I'm just like, I'm not going to touch anything useful today. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to like walk around the town, like think about the things that I've been or like just let them sort of process in my brain. And then you almost always come back to whatever you're doing with, with it, with the renewed focus. Definitely. And, and that's sort of the vision I have with status is like, I want, I'm requiring that there is enough input of money coming in that I can, the output of that is time to commit to doing great work and not feeling like I'm not being paid for it and time to actually not work or not work for someone, but work for myself and my subconscious by giving it time to process what's happening. Yeah. Um, 
whether that's today, just like walking around and like seeing logos on the side of trucks, which I've like really fallen in love with after my road trip or taking the road trip and taking like a full quarter of the year off to process everything that just happened. Think about how I can improve and, um, you know, then start the new year with a renewed sense of what I'm doing, my purpose, how I'm handling things, you know, what's next, et cetera. Um, but that's sort of a macro sort of moment to process. And then there's these micro ones, which is just like this morning, I was thinking about what you said to me the other day about how like this idea of just fully turning off and like just sitting on your couch and daydreaming. Um, and I did that this morning just to like, let whatever float in, float in. And, um, you know, it was ideas about, uh, how I really would love like a, a nice cup of coffee and how I'm excited to talk to you and how, uh, thinking about just things about how your, uh, like, like the, the word that I would want to give to you in terms of what, you know, our relationship, this idea of, um, you know, compliments, um, you know, things like that just popped in. I wasn't sitting down. Hell yeah. 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 Me too. Eh? I'm uh, that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get paid enough to take off the whole you. That's, I mean, look, I feel like here's the thing. Here's something to talk about. It's like this idea of money and the creative process, I feel like isn't something spoken about that much. And we've talked about it, yeah. uh, in different capacities for different reasons. Um, yeah. but like, I wrote down, like, we're flying a fucking airplane. Like, what we're doing with creative work is not a simple thing. It's not something that, like, the artifact may look very simple. You know, like this right here, right? That's, like, something I made, um, and it looks simple. It's like, oh, you, you did four circles with color. Like, that's all you did. And, like, it doesn't account for the work leading up to that. It doesn't account for the production of that thing. It doesn't account for anything behind the scenes of that. So building the color palette, the grid, um, Y circles, the other configurations, the other options, like, you know what I mean? So you look at that and you're just like, yeah, that's fucking simple. Like, I'm just going to throw four circles on a fucking thing and print it. And like, why am I paying this dude? But what you're actually paying for in a way is being able to land the plane consistently. Um, and so and take off. I mean, take off, maintain it and land it like that. You're, you're paying for the whole process, not just the artifacts. And I think a lot of times people are like, you know, when you're buying a plane ticket, you're, you're paying for that security and that support. You know what I mean? Like you're not just, you're not paying for the trip to LA and the, and the carbon emissions and the fuel well, that, no, but, you're, but you're right. I mean, I, it's funny that you say that because, uh, in, in Pharrell's podcast with Rosalia, he was saying the same thing is that, you know, they're working on an album and she has all these ideas. And he's like, look, he's like, you got the plane, you're in the air, but you got to land it. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Like you can have all this. And I, I feel like, I feel like that is, is quite true about the creative process. And we, we don't value, you know, the, the issue is that we value the plane taking off successfully. Right. Think about when you're, you're in an airplane, right? You're like, okay, taking off. Like, this is like a moment. Yeah. We're landing. So like, this is a moment. Yeah. But there's like eight hours in between that time mm. where you don't know what's going on and you shouldn't know. And like, it's good that you don't know what's going on. Right. You don't even know if there's problems. It's that's the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there likely are. There, there, there likely are. Yeah. There's all sorts of problems and it's frightening. Um, 
and that's what that's what making art is like and um you know we're supposed to basically compose ourselves for the takeoff and for the landing so that when people see us embarking on a new project they're like yeah we really trust that you're going to deliver and then when we deliver it they're like yeah that's that's exactly what i expected or like that's better than i expected like it was super smooth but you know there's turbulence up there uh you know i don't want to like make a whole bunch of airplane metaphors but like you know they're Go off, man. Go off. Not it's just it's just it's it's simply not you know. I think the the main part is just the length of time between those two moments. And, yeah, uh, where where it's hard for us to feel secure in asking for compensation for the time that mm-hmm. you're walking around outside and it's raining in L.A. and like you're like, damn, that's a really good lyric. I just need to walk around in this for an hour or so. It's like you're not getting paid for that time because you're not creating a product out of that. But like you are, you know, and so yeah, um, we the the economical model for that is it's been so skewed because of our relationship. We, we we've somehow com- we've commodified art in such a way, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be monetized in any way. I'm saying that you know it's been commodified in such a way where we're still just looking at like the unit of of whatever the product is on the other end. It's just like that that photo that you have behind you. It's like well, here's a physical good. How much is it worth? And it's like, right. you know, obviously we know that like we like we look at these Sotheby's sales that happen every year. It's like, yeah, is that Picasso it's like worth another million every single year? It's like on the market. Like, sure, why not? Like I'd actually prefer it. I mean, aside from like the 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 intrinsically ethical problems about that, like I prefer I prefer that that sort of freedom about the value of something to come from that the creator, the relationship between the creator and the audience versus having some arbitrary guideline between like how much you know how much that time that you're flying the plane in the air before takeoff and landing is like worth and that could be based on a lot of things i mean it's it's really hard to define like what that is is it novelty is it experience is it um is it you know name recognition is it just i would say i would say it's just all that ability because like we know things that are technically great that are like tastefully not and vice versa mm-hmm. right so um it's, it's, I, I think though that like creators and artists need to be more confident in the way that they ask for compensation for their work in general. Um, yeah. I have a Patreon. I'm just going to throw that in there. But, um, you know, I think that that's a lot of model. I think that's a model where it's like, Hey, like I'm a creator. Like I'm not telling you, I want you to pay for every time I have a song come out. Like it's going to be one ninety nine. I'm just saying like I'm creating and my relationship with you is that like, I continue to create because you continue to support me mm. and you can delete your pledge if you want to, that's up to you, but I'm, I'm asking you to consider it. And that's one of those things where it's a model that people are not quite comfortable with yet because it's new. It's like, a, it's, it seems really simple, but it's actually a new thing for like the 21st century to be like, yeah, like I'm creating and I think that I'm doing something valuable for the world. Right. Yeah. Um, I hope that you'll support me in this process and like, and like help me grow. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, can you imagine like a company doing that for like, you know, for like another, like a, a small arts company, like maybe in the future, that'll be a thing. It's like, Hey, look, we're going to put our, we're going to put our cards behind a couple of different artists and a couple of different creators. And, you know, we would, we just want to have access to what they're doing. And we want to like, we want to be a part of that conversation moving forward. And I think that that's kind of, you know, that's maybe the maybe the positive 
one positive side of the subscription concept that hasn't been explored yet. Um, yeah, I like that. I'm going with that, but that that's all. That's all my thoughts on artist compensation for the moment. That's an interesting, you know, future business model. Uh, and I don't want to go too into the weeds of future business models at the moment. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. But I mean, we can, if, if you are interested, we, we can. Um, I'm saying this as if I have another great idea around the corner, which yeah. I don't. I'm just going to riff and stuff <laughs> out. But um, this idea, like the idea of supporting creators isn't new. In fact, like the difference was that there were fewer creatives back in the Renaissance and there was a lot of money coming into the church. And so you could easily just be like, oh, here's a shit ton of money to like, or not even a ton of money. It's like, here's a place to live, food, and like some money to paint this thing or to do this thing for me. Um, but that model makes sense when you think about yeah. the changes that we're dealing with scale, really. And so with scale, it's like, all right, there's tons of fucking creatives. Like, you install Photoshop, now you're a creative. Like you have an iPhone and you can hit record and post it somewhere. Like you're creating stuff. And like, <clears throat> obviously some people are going to deem creatives like more, like it's all in the beholder, right? So like if they see yeah, yeah. a creative person and they want to, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, exactly. Um, you know, uh, if they see you as a creator, they'll, they'll support that. Um, I think that it's a great idea. I think we're out probably looking for the towards in the wrong direction. Like I think often creative people speak to creative people and then they're asking for support from the creative community who's like, yo, I need fucking support. Like, so again, this like economic model doesn't make sense if you're preaching to creative people because they're like, I'm trying to get fed as well. And so like, then it creates this weird competition thing, which I'm really trying to like break all my friends free of. Um, yeah. And I conversation with another designer about this the other day uh who said like yeah we're kind of like working on like we're kind of like competitors like we're both working on different speaker companies and i was like nope we are not like we are yeah. definitely not i was like i'm not married to pmc like my i don't have stock in them you know like i love what they're doing i love what i'm doing for them but in no way are two creatives competitors um and to approach that from a scarcity mindset is going to fuck you up long-term because like everything you share, like I wouldn't be going on right now, right? Like I wouldn't be showing you off to the world because I'm like, yo, you write scout for PFC. Like no one can know about this dude. Like it creates these weird sort of funnels. That's a tangent. Anyway, yeah, this idea of like finding people outside to support creators, you know, investors, people that like sold Bitcoin yesterday that bought it at a dollar, you know, like those people could be supporting creatives. Um, my buddy Jared got it. It, it, it. It's funny how it. It's it's funny how the conversation gets steered right because at every moment where there's a gap that's opened up in the market for something where you're like, oh wow, this feels like it could be the next new thing. It always kind of goes in the in the way that you don't want it to go. Like I feel that way about like. Uh, well, I feel I feel I don't feel totally that way about like the NFT explosion. You know, it's like you're like. Are people really valuing this art? Or are they just looking for a place to hold on to their Ethereum? You know, like is, is this just yeah. a place for them to like put their put their crypto somewhere? And you don't really know if it's if it's you don't know what the model's sustainable yet. Like it, it's a it's a cash thing quickly, right? It's a, it's a hype thing, um, but you don't know. You know, there, it hasn't been a proof point of like whether or not it's a sustainable concept yet, um, and it doesn't mm. necessarily, you know, benefit the creative 
community as much as it does like individual creators who are able to chop it up specific trend early enough. It, you know, I, I think also like with the competitor thing, it's like, I want to be the fastest there. I want to be the earliest adopter. Like I want to make the most stuff. Yeah. And uh, the idea that, you know, making more, I mean, and you know, it, it depends on your workflow, right? Like making more is better, but mm. uh, that's not always true. We know that that's not always true. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're just making a lot of shit that's not that great, like, and you're not enjoying it, then that's not good. Uh, but if you make one thing that you really love and like, and, and like it, it blows up then that's great, you know? So, right. Um, but I mean, back to your point about c- competitiveness, I, I think, I think when you, when you start to like, I don't know how much competitiveness there is at like a, at, a, at, a, at the ideally high level of, of, of creative work, because I think that people that are successful, like often will respect each other for the things that they're contributing and collaborate rather than mm. compete. You know, like I think about like when Drake and future, like Drake was kind of, you know, on his high horse, what was that? 2015. And then future was coming up and everyone was like, oh shit, like future is going to overtake Drake. And there was like, what do they do? They do an album together. Mm. Like, that's the way it should happen. You know, it should yeah. be the stick for like, you're like, oh, like, you know, is Drake going to diss future? Cause he's coming up. It's like, nah, man, like they're going to do, you know, do, make this record. And so. I think that the, I think you see that happening a lot um, in in some creative communities, you know, and maybe and I think social media has helped actually create those bonds where in the past it have to be like managers hitting up a manager or something or like your agency is hitting up your agency. Mm-hmm. Whereas like now I think we do have a little bit more flexibility in the way that we communicate with people that whose work we like. I mean, even the way that I make you right, like like you know our mutual friend Natalia like sent me the link to to your you know, posting. And then I hit you up just like on, on Instagram, <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, right. That's kind of a, a, a case in point of like, of like I like, why shouldn't be looking at like similar accounts to you or similar profiles to you and being like, oh, that's just competition. Like, I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna consider that as something that's potentially beneficial. Cause like right now, like on a music level, it's like, I'm kind of looking for people that are like on that level. It's like, yo, who else is on, who else is operating in the way that I am or like on the same level? And like, how can we join forces to like, you know, you know, support each other's craft. Right. So. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of getting at this idea of like the direct competition, not like indirect competition as in, you know, designer to copywriter, like we're both kind of taking money away from a marketing budget or whatever. But like, we're not directly competing. Whereas like two copywriters, two designers, uh, two musicians, I think that's where things get kind of fucked because people are like, either I get the job or this dude gets the job or like whatever. And if you're like, fuck it, like someone's going to get the job. And like, ideally it's the most qualified person and not like the most Instagram followers or some bullshit metric, but that's its own thing. The thing you could learn from those people is a totally different thing. Like the bonds you could form, the connections you can make, like the learning that can be had, the support system that can be had, the uh, collaboration that could possibly be be had is all still there. And I think people just see like X thousand dollars not going to me, going to them. You know what I mean? And I think if that's the only metric of like competition um, or, you know, that's, that's where the risk I think comes in and I'm seeing it 
the opposite way. Um, because I don't necessarily think it's like, it's all bad. And like, everyone's competing, like I actually see it the other way. So I do like this thing called art club. And, um, there's probably some people even on it right now that are designers. Um, we meet up once a month, we talk about design. I shared my pricing model and all that shit with like my competitors, you know? And I was like, look, I want you to know how much I'm getting paid because if you get paid the same amount, that tide raises all ships. Like the industry then sees designers as deserving this much money instead of some people get that and some people get this. And there's weird dissonance of like, why is Michael different than this other designer who just came to me and said, I'll do it for fucking $10,000 less. It's like, shit, I look terrible. You're also getting paid less. Like this is not helping any like the worst yeah it's it's the worst case scenario really for everybody and you know i i uh lane and i have talked about that you know many times when we we're talking about um you know you know our rates you know because again you're quantifying this creative process right so like we've talked about the process of like making music for film and tv and like what that rate should be and like you know you're you're kind of like trying to justify it's like well for hourly it's this and it, if it's this long it's this and it's just like you know, we're, you're constantly like undercutting your own, your own abilities, you know? And then what happens is that if you say that you're worth less then like, then you're worth less, you know, it's like yeah. on the, on the monitor. Cause that's what the, that's the client sees, right? Like they're just looking at the number. And so if like, if to make music for this film is going to cost 30 grand, even though you believe that it should be 50 grand and like you're worth 30 grand, you know, mm-hmm. it, exactly. it's really <laughs> difficult to grow out of that at least, at least, at least in one relationship, unless I mean, sure. Like if you, if you really prove yourself and you show that like your value was actually over that, but then you, again, you could have done that at 50 grand instead of right. right. And and just for a second, like in an abstract sense that applies across the board. Like if you say you're this, you're this, like it doesn't fucking matter. You know, like if you're, it's just one means of definition. If you're like, I'm a creative person you're more likely going to be able to create better. It also might hurt you because now you're just saying like, that's all I am. But like, it's the same way with like, I deserve this much money. It's like, why? I don't fucking know. Like I do know, I live in LA. I, I said this to to Maurice when um, I first gave him the budget. He was like, wow, that's a lot. And I was like, I'm totally happy to share this. And I said, look, man, you want someone that's like in LA that lives, like I have a lifestyle that I don't believe is even that expensive. Like I try to keep my expenses down. I don't own that many things. I'm downsizing all the time, but I'm living in a culture that is probably the most um, intense music culture that there is in many places. And we're marketing to that group of people. So the, you know, there's a cost to that. My integration in the community is, is part of this cost. And my, my need to pay for things to live closer to that is part of the cost. Like there's more than just, you know, and that's me kind of justifying it and explaining it, but explaining it, like, not just like this takes this many hours and therefore that times that equals that it's like, there's that part. And then there's this like additional layer of things. And then there's a markup for like, what does the market typically cost or charge, you know? And so, yeah. I don't know. I think like getting comfortable, especially as a creator that sells their work uh, for a fee, it seems really important to like, and I even did it last night. I was watching videos on it. Like 
learn as much as you can about that because it's very easy to be like, oh shit, like I said, 10 grand, but like, I'm scared. So I'm going to say five. It's like, now you're at five. Like that is exactly. it. You know, it's as simple as an insecurity to, to lead you to get 50% less than what you could have made. Like strictly by just saying like, that's what I, you know, and like someone's going to play. And honestly, like if you undersell yourself, people aren't going to trust you as much as if you, if you come in confidently. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's some like, you know, kind of baseline business sense. But at the same time, like it's, it's, it's also beyond that. It's also just about like what you believe you're worth. And in, in a culture where more and more money is being funneled to the top percentile, um, you know, like you have to, you have to be able to make a stand for yourself on some level and say like, Hey, I, I, I believe that I, I know what I'm worth. And, um, sometimes you have to hold out for that. And I mean, you can think about countless artists in the past have done it. I mean, I think about Prince, you know, playing his shows and he'd, he'd be like, you play half the show. He would get his, he would get like, uh, you play half the show and he'd be like, I need, I need half the money right now. Yeah. Either I'm not, I'm not going to keep playing the show. He like, yeah. would just, they, they would have to pay him because like you're not going to cut prints off like the crowd's going wild yeah you want to finish the set and you're like yeah you're going to pay me half now and then i'll do the rest of the show otherwise we're, we're done and it's like yeah or like get paid half up front it's like you know we agreed upon what difference does it make when it is it's like that's that's our that's our loyalty right now that's our that's our signal of trust and um i think you do have to be bold what feels like being bold is really just being like being like straightforward about it because the, the thing that complicates almost any creative situation whether it's you know marketing or music or anything is like it, when it comes relationships is like when it comes down to this money part you know and i think that that's that's the, the earlier you sort that out and the earlier you you, you figure out all that because it's, it's just numbers right the earlier you figure that out like everything math, baby. Deeper, yeah you know um because yeah, you're right. It's like you have yeah, you have to calculate all this stuff like really metrically. Be like, well, my expenses are this much, so my hourly is this much, but I'm doing freelance, so it's this much marked up. And it's just like, you know, come up with your price, stick to it, and just try to like try to live by that, you know? Yeah, I but mean if you can't, obviously you're always gonna have to negotiate. That that's part of the business process, but Right. You know. Right. Oh, I love that. Business process. That's a telling thing. But like business you know, process. Um, I can't read those words just came out of my mouth at the same time. I'm going to screen record that and share it on loop. Um, Business process. Uh, fuck, there's so many things I could could dive yeah, into right now. Um, it's important to remember that we're setting our own bar, um, whether that's for the skills we want to learn, the process that we want to have, the people we want to be around, the conversations that we want to have, the amount of money that we want to make. And we were talking about Rich Dad, Poor Dad yesterday. I think it's an excellent book. It's sort of like yeah. a pop finance culture book, but it's it's a good orienting, reorienting book for people. Uh, for me, anyway, I was reading it on the New York City subway and like, I didn't know shit about like money. I wasn't really comfortable talking about it. My parents made a decent living, but it wasn't like, they weren't like millionaires or billionaires where I was like, okay, like what's the route? Like, how do I like, you know, get get to the top or whatever? Like they weren't telling me yeah. shit. So it was cool to like listen to this book and this idea that stood out to me while you were talking was money being a form of energy. And it, like what I liked about it is it's a reframing, which reframings are always really useful, especially for shit you're uncomfortable with. So it's like reframing. It's like, all right, let's like take the fucking insecurities you have with money out of the picture. Let's just call it energy. And like if you need, if you, 
It's like a little battery. Like if you as the machine, like it needs batteries to operate, right? Uh, and that operation might be having a place in downtown LA, being able to go to music industry events, fucking whatever, 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 right? That needs to be fueled. And so there's ways to fuel that. You could fuel that by like meditating and being in a fucking great mental state. That's one battery. But like at some point, you have to pay for all this stuff. And so like if you're afraid of the money part, then you're just like, all right, let me do everything but that. Like, let me focus on everything but that. And I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad was like a really reorienting book for me where I was like, wait, let me also focus on that. Like, it's not this 80-20 thing. Like, it's just one of the many things that need to be plugged into me. You know, like me having time to diverge and like do creative projects, that refuels me. Like me being where I am refuels me. Me traveling refuels me. But like those things cost money, you know? So like, where is that energy flow in? Yeah, it's all it's all an example of like what like you could call like and again it's like jargony, but it's like it's like resources, right? Like I think that the issue I think the issue for a lot of creators around money is like we know we like we know that money can complicate complicate the creative process and we've seen it happen and like we know that there are pitfalls related to it, having too much of it, having too little of it. And we also know people that have made great work on both ends of that spectrum, right? But at the end of the day, I think it, it's it's not really about how much it is, it's just about how much you need. And that's, mm-hmm. that's for anything that's not, it's not just money, but it's any sort of resource oriented. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think for me as well, like to use this, I mean, you probably don't use this app, but like it's called, you need a budget. Yeah. I'm familiar it's, with just like Honestly, it's like, it's like, it's like my favorite app. And I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Like I treat like, like money and food and like time all kind of similarly. Like I think of them all like a sort of, I was like, as a net zero, net zero level. I was like, this is how much I have, mm. you know, to spend. And like, how am I going to, how am I going to spend it today? Um, and obviously I don't, you know, I try not to make my life too rigid around that, but like, it's actually easiest to do it with money because like, I don't have as many cravings with it as I do with like, you know, sometimes I just want to eat some cookies, you know, but <laughs> those are the all those are all three things that like i don't want to have to think about and i think that that's why it's important it's because like i don't want to have a relationship to money where it's like always it it, money's always stressful right on some level but like i don't want to have a relationship to it where it's like constantly uncertain you know it's like okay i know how much i need and i don't have that right now but at least i know what that margin is you know what i mean versus like right totally just like you know this sort of abstract sense about what it is and what it isn't. I think we feel that way about a lot of different things in our lives. And, um, you know, it just, if we can just like find little ways to make it like a little less confusing or a little less abstract or a little less amorphous, then it really just helps, you know, for me, at least as a creator, as an artist, like having to worry about that, even if it's just less and not, not completely helps me a lot when I'm just trying to get into the zone and just like do my thing, you know? And so, you know, I think for all of us, and especially like when you're working with a client, it's like, if you know that if you, if you, if you're happy with what you're being paid, you're going to, you're going to create some work that's going to be great and everyone's going to be happy about it. And like, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't deliver, that's on you, but like, you know, typically if you get paid what you think you're worth, then, and you are worth that, then it's, it's going to be good for everybody. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, 
it is one of those things where it, it, I think for, for many people and, and even myself included, it, it often pre- presents a sort of, um, you know, just like a tension, you know, and, and it's, and it's too bad that like, you know, culturally we've progressed to a place where there's tension around money versus like value mm-hmm. and that, you know, that value always equals money versus other things is, um, is kind of unfortunate. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always like on some like anti-capitalist thing, but like, uh, it doesn't mean that like, I hate money. It just means that like, I don't like the way that it's used all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and, uh, no, I, I, yeah. you were, you were saying like money, uh, can complicate things. And I was like, do you mean power though? Like, do you mean like the, the de- power dynamic that comes from either not knowing, uh, enough about money when you face someone else that does or someone that's holding a lot of money over you like or you know the debt that you might have like is it the power dynamic that's created a result of money such as like you're not giving me enough value or whatever like to me it almost strikes that more which is like i'm trying to reframe it where it's like money's not the enemy like the way people are handling it is and the way they're like looking at it can be um, well, not you, like, what, yeah. it, what it affords you and the, yes, like, I think that the, the, the ability for it to have like a compounded and cumulative effect on power and on control mm. systemically has created a lot of imbalances that trickle all the way down to like, when we're talking about how much we're worth as creators, yeah, all the way from the top, from like the way that policy and money are connected back down to like artists asking like, you know, small businesses for a higher, like a hundred bucks more for their gig, you know, like those are all related to me because, yeah. because we're talking about like, it, it, you know, on a micro level, it's like, well, how much does it cost to keep the lights on? How much does it cost to license the music in this club? How much does it cost to buy my new MacBook Pro? Like all these things, like how much does, and like, we're talking like first world problems right now also, you know? Um, but like globally, even like that dynamic has been informed by a very specific model of thinking about money and like mm. the point of it where it's, it, it's gone beyond just like, this is just how much I need to survive and like, and like live a happy, comfortable life. And now it's, it's more about like, well, I don't know that the future is secure. So I have to mm. keep founding what I have mm-hmm. in order to ensure in that, and that, that, that desperation is what creates that power dynamic amongst people that would otherwise probably not think that much about it, you know? Right. I, right. I mean, and we see, we see in different societies where that balance is different depending on the way that, you know, societies are structured, but, um, you know, it, particularly in our own, like, I do think that the, the complication arises from, like you said, like, it's not, it's not the power re- because of money. It's the power related to the dynamic, mm. you know, mm. between the, between the, between, yeah, it's, 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 it's that it's a, it's conduit for the power dynamic, you know? Right. Um, it's like a nice five. I don't want to, I don't, I don't ever want to have to think about it that way. Cause I don't think about it that way, but a lot of people do think about it that way. And it, it, right. it makes it, it, it sullies that it sullies that, that concept for anyone that doesn't want to think about the world in that, in that way, mm-hmm. financially, you know? But I think you're, you're offering ways of reframing it. And I think, you know, with what I'm trying to do, I think with, uh, there's a company called Basecamp and Jason Freed is the CEO. And like, I support them. Um, one of the reasons being is that they're like, we just want to make as much 
as we can make for, I mean, as much as we need to make for the people that work here, like need to. Yeah. And like, if we make anything more than that, that's great. But like this idea of just like, what do you need? What's essential to earn is sort of how I've taken that philosophy into status. Uh, yeah. Cause I was like, when do I stop working this year? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, you know, if you think about like a farmer, like there's like a period of the year where like, they're just not doing that kind of work. Right. And it's, it's dictated by the season, but like, if you're a knowledge worker you, with a fucking laptop, you can endlessly work. So there's never that and season that, of that. Unfortunately, the economy is like, yeah, you know, we all know like what, what, unfortunately, what, how farmers are treated economically is so oh, terrible. That's, yeah. You know, not, a, yeah. I mean, I can go like, that around, but I'm just thinking about that and like, let's like, okay, here are people whose time is actually limited by nature mm-hmm. versus someone whose time is limited by nothing. Right. Like, yep, apps running in the background as you're sleeping. Well, you well hold up. Time is limited by energy that we have. Like, time, like we were saying, right. like, you know, so there is some limitation. Um, but you're right. There's less limitation in terms of like season or nature. It's more like our own. Yeah. I didn't mean to shut you down. I was just trying to add no, no, context there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess the other side of like quite freelance work on that level, and I think for any work, like I think about this like hustle mentality. It's just like hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm-hmm. Like, but to what end and for what? You know, like what is your goal? Like, I've 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 changed everything I thought about like what my sort of goals were, and I I wish that the the arts industry wasn't predicated on this all or nothing mentality as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, where we don't hear about middle-class artists and creators as much. You hear about the really big guys and mm-hmm. you hear about the people that are just breaking out, but you don't really hear about the people that are trying to sustain themselves and also may not want to be stars. You know, I mean, yeah, that is a, probably the majority of people that create art don't want to be superstars, you know, and like, which for a young, for a young version of me, that sounded crazy. It's like everybody mm-hmm. was you know, because that's, yeah, what's the point otherwise? Like, what am I trying to do here? It's like, what? Like, that's it? Like, there's yeah. so many miserable, famous people that I know. <laughs> like, even like, what the fuck am I talking about? Like, exactly. You, like, yeah. But I mean, that's, yeah. the, that, that's in that whole system of like, earn, 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 hustle, hustle. Um, it's crazy though. It's just like, it's like, and then the, like, you ask yourself like, when you, when you read, when you think about it, it's like, what am I working for? It's like, I'm working to pay this overpriced bread. <laughs> you know, I'm working to like, you know, but then when you think about like your, like you were saying, like your, your core needs, um, it doesn't cost that. I mean, I'm not going to say that it doesn't cost that much because that's a privileged thing to say, but like, um, if everybody, if, if, if the, if the, if the floor was raised and the ceiling was lowered a little bit, like everybody would do a lot better, you know? Um, and not, again, I don't want to go into like the political economics of all of this, but I think it does pertain to the way that like art, like the, the relationship between art and commerce, because we're, we're constantly thinking about like our rates in relationship to, it's a comparative thing, right? We're not really, we're not always basing them based on our own individual needs or basing it was like, well, I only need this much, but that person's doing a lot less and they're making a lot more. So like I should, I should charge that much. And we're out, we're out competing just by bidding more 
Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or bidding on projects that are we know are going to pay us more, even if even if the quality of the work is in question. So it does it does it does kind of you know it, there are some ethical questions to be to be raised, I think. But um, but I doesn't mean you shouldn't care about it. <laughs> you know, I don't think you should avoid talking about it. But I think we you know reframing it is important. I think especially from like organizational levels, so that so that you know you can really engage people. Um, from a higher level, you know, cause like mm. individuals can do a lot, obviously, but like until they, until we all join forces and think about this thing and more and more people are doing that in these little clusters around the country, around the world, um, you know, that's when the change will actually happen. Just very organic things. Yeah. I think like with issues like this, it, the reason it's hard to go deep on it on an Instagram live, or I mean, we could, if we devoted the whole live to it and I wasn't starting to get hungry, but. I think what's important to note is that there's not like a, if we do this, like if we like overthrow all of the 1%, that's the only way, like then all this will happen. It's like, that's part of it. Maybe in some capacities, there might be another way. Like there's, there's probably like a hundred different ways that all need to happen all at once for things to happen, uh, for this change to actually happen over a longer period of time. So it's like, I think what's important for people that are listening, they're like, well, what the fuck do I do? You know what I mean? It's not all grim. It's not all great. Like, how do I operate now? And how do I sort of push the ball forward to then build momentum to effect change? It's like you're saying, find groups of people that are doing similar things to you. Start talking about money. Start having more intelligent conversations around it. Learn more about it. Learn how um, economics work, uh, how the system works. Find people that yeah i think i think you're right and i I think that i think that for a long time like people have avoided this conversation but now the now like over the last 20 years alone right like the knowledge is just there and it's you know any any amount of it that's hazy can be like clarified by doing like a search on youtube and watch someone give like an hour-long talk on like yeah something worse and like i've learned so much by like googling a very specific question and a very specific answer coming down you know, and, um, you know, what do we do? We, we Googled that uh, how many work hour hours are there in a, in a year. <laughs> that was okay. our last. Yeah, exactly. Cause that's a huge number. And like, no one should just know that off the top of their head. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's a, it's about empowerment. Right. And I mean, obviously that that's probably an overused word, but, um, it's, it's really important though, because I think a lot of people don't feel empowered in general. I think people, yes. I think people feel like, oh, like the system is looming over me. Like the bureaucracy is like fucking up my day and like is and it's like all right how can how can we collectively beat that thing you know like i always talk about my example is like always the community garden built right next to the grocery store you know and it's like everybody gets a little plot and everyone's working together and they share their vegetables and like suddenly the grocery store is no longer needed and like it's happened slowly enough that like no one's losing their job on a large scale you're mm-hmm. all migrating over to the community garden. Right. Like, sure, you're going to need that yep. grocery store to sell certain things that come in. And like, ideally, like they come more locally than they used to. But I always think if you build a better thing next to the thing, that might be bigger and it might be more scary, but it's working. It's not working as well. And you build a smaller thing that's just working better. Like people are going to go to it. And they're going to use it. Um, mm. and, and, and it happens. It happens. It, there's, 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 you know, case studies of this happening around uh around the world and i think um you know i think we have to be more inspired to like take the things into our own hands we don't see it working because like policy is not going to change it 
Uh, but I do think individuals and in, in, in groups of individuals will um, without wait. Cause like people are tired of waiting on stuff to change. It's like sucks to like be like, oh, like we voted for so-and-so and like now they're not doing the thing. It's like, well, right. Like surely you didn't expect it was going to happen. Like what do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just to the audience, yeah. there are 8,760 hours in a, uh, in a work year. So Ooh. use it wisely. Uh, use it wisely. <laughs> yeah. Use it wisely. Um, so yeah. yeah, dude, that's a great point. I think this idea of like build the alternate model alongside the existing model, build, build Spotify alongside Napster until one or RDO, like until it overtakes the thing instead of tear the thing down but don't have an model then what do you do you know like yeah the thing is already this the, the thing is already corrected you're not going to change it i think that that's like the issue with all mm-hmm. these institution things it's like oh like we got to change the way they're doing things like it's offensive or it's discriminatory or it's like it's it's corrupt and it's like yeah well like if it's if it's gotten that big with all those problems then like like just you can't tear it down from the inside. Just build something else that's better and like right. make sure it works. Like handle all right. the problems from the ground up rather than try to do it from the top down. Cause like you can't tell the CEO that like, oh, there's like an issue like in the middle management of your corporation. Like, right. You know, it's like that's going to take ages, you know? And this in a way gets to the whole going full circle, the process processing thing. Like learn about yeah. process, learn how to optimize these things to build strong machines that can be that alternate route, but that are less permeable than just like an idea or a weak, poorly structured idea, you know? Build those machines that are, and factor in, make sure those machines process all the things that you want in them. I think that's, it's a very difficult yeah. task. Um, but I think that's, you know, to me, another reason why process is so useful. It's like, it's just ins and outs and what happens in between. So. There's three parts. And, and, and it's, and it's, yeah, it's built on your values too, right? Because at the end of the day, that's yeah. what, that's what the processing part is, right? It's like, it's like, you can, you can read every book about how to build like a, a fortune 500 company or whatever. And, you know, I'm sure there's some that for those that exist that are doing like pretty terrible things, but mm-hmm. like, what if you want to build a company? It's like, okay. I have two, I, you know, I have two criteria. I want a fortune 500 company and I want all the ethics to be sound. You're like, first you have to ask yourself, is that possible? It what are the possible? <laughs> it might not be possible, but like, if it is possible, then how do you get there? And that's the processing part, right? Like mm-hmm. the process has been outlined on some level. Um, but you have to, you have to spend the time and, and, and do the, do the, do the, do the thoughtfulness work of figuring out how to how to in- inject your values into a process that would otherwise like might not reward that type of thought. Mm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess you just have to be confident about what, what, you, what you believe and what you're passionate about when you're, when you're thinking about ways to like, you know, to build new things that people are, that, that are, are overall better than old things. And that also benefit you both, you know, financially and, uh, creatively and, um, you know, on a community level as well. You know, it's a lot of it's a lot of things to think about. It's a lot of things to think about when you're embarking on something. You know, but it is, and I I think a value system at the core of it is so important, especially in an age where there isn't this like religious structure to be like, well, there's all my values. Like it's A B C D. It's in a book. It's in multiple books. Like there's a a place to go to for it. Like they're all 
There's a community that believes it. Now, people don't have that. They don't really necessarily have a fixed value system. So they have some loose, ambiguous value system. And I think it's even more important as individuals to be like, what do I actually value? Like, what is the philosophy of me if I'm not subscribing to like a specific set? What is it? You know, like, what do you value? And then when you're building, everything you build is on top of that. So whether you know it or not, if it's ambiguous to you or not, uh, will have an effect of like, and it might be an effect 10 years down the line. Um, and you might not realize it. And people might be like, wait, I thought you were about this and you weren't, you know? So uh, in closing, I'm curious uh, to stick on the topic of values. Uh, yeah. What are some some things you value uh, in in creative process or uh, as, a, as a person in general? Mm, that's a good question. Other than money, don't just say money, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know that, you know, you know, I wouldn't even say that, like, probably in the top 10, <laughs> yeah. say that. Um, uh, I guess like, this is going to sound corny, but like, I think things should be beautiful. Mm. Like, I think we have like a responsibility to like reflect in the work that we create the same sensations that we receive from the things that we find beautiful. And I think we have like, I think there's an honesty in that beauty. And I'm not talking about necessarily aesthetic beauty. I'm just saying where you think that is. Mm. Um, and I think that, I think right now, and I don't know if this is a value as much as it's a process, but I think you have to constantly be challenging yourself about yourself. You know, like you have to, you have mm. to kind of be like, wait, is I get like, am I sure about that? Like, it's not saying you shouldn't be certain. It's just saying like, you should be, willing to be open and challenge yourself because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know we're conditioned and we learn all these things that the world tells us we're supposed to know that sometimes are just not true to your to to what you i'm trying to find the word for that value i don't know uh, what the word for that yeah just come on, like, dude you're the copywriter here i guess it's i guess it's like um it's not discernment but it's like something in that that can like, of work. It's like it's like discretion, but it's also like reflecting. Mm -hmm. And it's also like mm -hmm. um there are probably a lot of words I'm just blanking on right now, but uh, I think it's both. Yeah. Like yeah. self-reflection is something you value and discretion is something you value. Yeah. But I but I but but I also think that like there's also like a level of like you should be trying to approach like you should be trying to find like the 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 there's got to be joy in the process too, right? Mm. And I, and I, I think we forget that because like one thing that I'm trying not to do, and maybe this is a value that I haven't described, I'm trying not to say the word work. I probably said it several times in this conversation, but I'm just trying not to say the word work about mm. anything I do creatively because I don't want to relate what I do as passion, as work. Like I just don't, mm. I don't care to, I don't care to think of it that way. Yeah. Um, and obviously you can say that things require hard work, but you could also say they require discipline. They require commitment, they Skip. require consistency, but like, you know, we have this concept of like hard work and hard work to me sounds like, oh, you're carrying a bag of bricks on your back just to mm -hmm. carry them to the other side of the mm -hmm. field. And it's just like, you know, I don't think we should be thinking about ourselves that way. I don't think, I don't think that's a very like, uh, contemporary way of looking at, looking at, you know, the world or like even, even effective way to like doing any, any sort of job we do. Um, mm. It's, it's a little old school for me. And I think like we have so many more beautiful words for all of the things that 
we do well, you know, whether you're designing, um, whether you're composing, whether you're an audience member listening, like we just, we always throw the word work in there. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that kind of makes the process a lot less enjoyable. Right. I, I agree. And I think it, it perpetuates the narrative of like, you have to work hard to like, accomplish something. and it's like, well, no, because like this 17 year old model is getting picked up on Instagram for like an agency or this dude who just like shit out this silly design and put it on the internet is getting recognized. Like right, but how many of your, how many of your best ideas have been hard? Right. Most of the best I ones haven't most been. things that I've enjoyed have been hard. In fact, my worst ideas have been hard. My best ideas have been very easy. It's true. Like the things that I've worked hardest on, I've been the least happy with to be honest, to be, yeah. to be honest. Right. Cause I don't, I don't want to feel the pain in the creative process if I don't have to, you know, like I think the, the, the hard work to me is like, there's, there's a practice and there's a preparation and I understand the discipline that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And even I think can have a lot more joy and pleasure in it than, yeah. than today is like, oh, I'm, I'm shredding on the guitar. I'm just doing scales. It's like, it's hard work. And it's like, it doesn't have to be, it can just be enjoyable. Like, you know, like right. it could be just be part of it. Yeah. I think to, yeah. Uh, to, to touch on copy and words for a second, like so much of our experience is based on how we're labeling things. So I love that your idea, the idea of you removing the word work from your narrative, because it helps a bunch to not be like, all right, time to do work for PMC. And then it's like, you're working with me. And it's like, there's now some additional added connotation encoded in that word that like, when you present yourself to me, it's going to be tampered by or biased by this idea of working instead of like, what I said to Ted and you the other day, like I'm trying to architect a process so that there's as much play and ease as possible. It's not a different rigidity. It's there so that we don't have to think about the bullshit so that I could just hop in and, and do something with ease. Um, because yeah, that's yeah. how I want to be creation. What's that? Yeah. I mean, the idea is that like, if, if, if you are a creator and if, if you're, you know, and I think that it is like, you know, kind of lucky that we became people that create stuff. Like mm-hmm. the more and more we can just push whatever we do away from the idea of work and into the idea of just like, Hey, like we're getting paid to just like do fun shit all the time. Like mm-hmm. that's so inspiring, you know, to everybody, you know, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's unfair to like try to try to position yourselves that way. And I think, I think other people will slowly do that, especially as the work of the world is increasingly automated, you know, like. Right. To enjoy what we're doing. Otherwise, we're going to just feel like we're competing with with too many forces that are beyond our control. You know, it's like what, like it's the it's the human part of us that we're trying to attain through this type of mm-hmm. project. You know, it's 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 not it's it's not the work part that we do it for. It's the it's the interesting creative part that we do it for. So yeah, the other night my buddy said something um, about process and the and the processing is like. That sort of in between phase of like you create an idea and you need to finish the idea. There's that in between phase. And it's like, some of that might be difficult. Like if you're trying to understand uh, how a space shuttle works and like the space station works, it's probably going to be difficult. Like there's going to be a lot of steps or rather not difficult, but complex. And I think complexity to use a better word and difficulty and like work are on like two different sides of the, of the fence. Like you could fully enjoy and embrace complexity and be like, this is fucking awesome. I get to deal 
handle a, a wrangle a complex project. I get to uh, be a part of a complex project and navigate a complex project and to discover and these positive, more positively encoded words in your brain. Um, yeah. Or you could say, shit, that's a lot of hard work. And like, it freaks you out. And but then, then you're not going to want to do it. But if you say, I, I think even a couple of years ago, like I stopped saying like something was hard or difficult and just said it was challenging. And already that just feels a lot better. It's like, that's a challenge. Like, okay, cool. I'll fuck with right. out. Like right. I want to do something that's difficult. That's in the zone. Fuck. You know, like, yeah, but like, even if it is like, it's just, this is the, this is kind of the word thing, right? Like, this is why like word choice is super important because the same feeling, you know, like you can encode two different ways and two different words and, and well, I'll say the same concept, but you're reacting in a different way, you know, like, sure. Like we've all stayed up late to do stuff, to get stuff done. And it's not always like, you know, it's not, I'm not saying it's always going to be fun, but I think that we should be able to like, understand that like there are parts of the process that are more challenging than others that may feel more difficult than others that are still natural parts of the larger process on a macro sense that like, you know, overall this feels net good. Yeah. <laughs> no, good. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Um, <laughs> uh, I should throw up a donation sticker. Is that a Asha. <laughs> meta, meta. Uh, my Venmo is michaelj.morgan, I think, or michael-j-morgan. Uh, don't send this to the wrong guy. Uh, but, um, so, I wanted to thank you so much for joining. Uh, thank you for being a part of my life. Thank you for being an example of an excellent collaborator. Um, a thoughtful human being, somebody who's trying to push things forward. Um, someone that's down to navigate the difficult, complex, uh, thing that we call life. And all of the situations that we are uh, in right now uh, as a result of a convergence of a ton of different historical elements. Um, and uh, yeah, dude, I just, I, I fully appreciate you. I'm so happy to have you on the second one I'm doing. Um, I look forward to talking to you again and um, challenging, right? Not difficult. Uh, Thank you, Kate. Yeah. Yeah. You got to reemphasize it. You know, I, I really do look forward to talking to you. Um, uh, just, I get, I, I honestly do. We get paid to talk to each other. That's fucking dope. Like, yeah, I you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's good. All right, man. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you, um, inviting me to do this. Um, you know, I can always run my mouth for an hour or so. <laughs> I love it. Again, yeah. Dog. All right, man. I'll have a great day and I'll talk Take to you care. soon. Have Later.